My, my mom was a school teacher. She taught uh, first grade for a number of years, and then she moved to third grade for a number of years, and then she moved back to first grade for uh, a number of years. She was a school teacher for a long, long time. And, and, and she did what many, many good teachers do. Good teachers don't just tell students how to do things. They don't just tell them, hey, two plus two is four. They will give an example of that. You know, they'll have two marbles and take two more marbles and put them in their hand and say, okay, everybody count how many marbles I have in my hands now. And they'll count one, two, three, four. So that's why two plus two is four. That, that example is so important in helping us to understand how to do things. We do that throughout life, whether it's sports, somebody teaching you how to shoot a basketball by giving you an example of how to shoot a basketball, uh, whether it's in business, someone teaching you how to, to keep your books and, and how to sell a product or, or whatever it might be. We provide examples to each other and we need examples so that we know how to do the things that we need to do. Jesus was the greatest teacher of all. He answered his disciples' questions about how they should pray. But he, he not only answered those questions, he gave them examples of prayer, perhaps the best known being what we often call the Lord's Prayer, but it's probably more correctly called the model prayer because it was given as an example to us of how to pray. But Jesus also allowed his disciples to hear him pray in a number of different circumstances. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at one of those prayers found in John chapter 17, beginning with the first verse. In this prayer, Jesus prays for himself in the first five verses. Then he prays for his disciples in verses 6 through 19. And then he prays for all those who would believe in him in the years to come in verses 20 through 26. And over the next few weeks, we're going to review this extraordinary prayer where if you know Christ this morning, Jesus prays for you. Now, Jesus begins this prayer by praying for himself. Now, he doesn't pray for personal gain. He prays that the Father will complete His will in His life. We could not have a better example of how to pray for ourselves than this. We need to learn to pray for ourselves. But the ironic thing about prayer for ourselves in the way that Jesus gave an example is that the focus of our prayers for ourselves should not be on us. Now that may sound illogical. I mean, if I'm praying for myself, how do I focus on, on, on something else? But that's exactly what Jesus does, starting with verse 1 here in John chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Jesus' prayer for himself does not seek gain for himself. Rather, he prays that his Father's will would be accomplished in his life. The cross in the New Testament day was an instrument of 
terror. It was an instrument of shame. But Jesus prays that it would become an opportunity to give glory to God. Now let's back up a a few verses and, and recognize the context of when this particular passage, this prayer occurs. First of all, There are a few scholars who identify this as the prayer that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. You know, that time when he asked his disciples to come into the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was to go to the cross. And he prayed with with such vigor and such passion that literally sweat drops of blood rolled down his face. And, and, And this may be that prayer, but because of the place where it is found in the Bible, most scholars believe that it's not the prayer from the Garden of Gethsemane, but rather this was a prayer that Jesus stopped somewhere along the journey. In these last chapters of John, Jesus is going with his disciples towards Jerusalem, teaching them that he's going there to die on the cross for their sins and for the sins of all who would believe in him. And most scholars believe that it is somewhere on that journey that Jesus stops and prays this prayer, perhaps stopping there in the temple courtyards, joining with his disciples for this time to go to the Father. This prayer is sometimes called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And it's because Jesus takes on two primary roles of the high priest in the days of the Bible. In the days of the Bible, the high priest on the Day of Atonement would go into the Holy of Holies only that one time. He was the only person who could enter that sacred place. And as he would go in, one of the things that he would do, he would offer up a prayer for the people of Israel. And then he would provide a sacrifice, a sacrifice to atone for their sin. Jesus now offers a prayer for us. And he not only provides the sacrifice, he is the sacrifice. Jesus notes the reason why he's going to the cross in verse 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. In this verse, Jesus identifies the reason why he came, the the purpose for his ministry. He came to provide eternal life for all those who would believe in him. His authority... His glory was wrapped up in fulfilling the purpose of His Father. And that purpose was to provide everlasting life. Now, He defines what everlasting life is in the next verse, verse 3. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is not just life that never ends. Now, now certainly that is included in, in the word. Eternal means it lasts forever, and certainly eternal life does that. But that's not all that it is. None of us would want to face the agonies and the hurts and the heartaches of this world forever. But that's not the everlasting life that Jesus provides for us. The everlasting life that Jesus provides provides is knowing the one true God. 
And there's only one way to do that. Only through accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Because He and He alone has provided the sacrifice that we need. He and He alone has proven His authority through His resurrection. Jesus knew that the only path to your everlasting life was through His going to the cross, sacrificing Himself for us. And so His prayer for Himself was to keep focused on that purpose. To continue His Father's will because it was the only way. Sometimes we think we know, but we really don't. For example, a few months ago, if you wanted to turn west onto Grand Street off of Kansas Expressway, you were out of luck. I know if you went down that way any time, it was ongoing construction for several weeks. The city was doing some construction on a bridge there on, on the road on Grand just after that turn. So if you tried to, to, to turn on to Kansas Expressway, uh, it was closed off. But, but there was, was one night, uh, March and I were going to a meeting. It was in, in a building that was down off of Grand Street down there. And, and I looked it up on, on, on my little phone handy app that we have. You know, it tells us where to go. We live by those things these days. But anyway, I, I looked it up. And this particular app, it was supposed to include uh, road closures, you know, things that were where there was construction and guide you around that. But on the app it said, you could go right down Grand Street so. We got this one. So we're just heading down the road. We get to Grand and, and Kansas. I, 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 I turn west and end up in the dog park. Not exactly where I was trying to go. We might think that the best way to pray for ourselves would be to pray for the things that we want. It would be to pray for the things that we need. That's how we, we, we should go to God and, and beg Him for the stuff that, that our life is missing. Now, don't get me wrong here. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Our Heavenly Father invites us to bring our burdens to Him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety upon Him, for He cares for you. God invites us to bring the, the heartaches and the hurts and the needs that we have in life. Because when we do so, we recognize the fact that He and He alone is the one who can provide those needs. That, that He knows what's very best for us. And so when we, we come to God approaching Him with the things that we need in life, the things and the heartaches and all the rest that we have in our heart, and we should do that. When we approach Him, we are acknowledging, God, You and You alone can do what I really need. So we are invited to go to God with the things that we need. But we all understand something. Some of the things that we think that we need really don't. And some of the things that we ignore, some of the things that we don't realize that we need, those are the things that we need the most. So how do we know what to pray? 
Well, we follow Jesus' example. When you pray for yourself, focus on God. Missionaries who work in areas where believers face daily persecution uh, discover this truth in their life. Those believers don't pray that they would be delivered from that persecution. Instead, they pray that God would give them the courage to continue to share Christ with their friends and neighbors as long as they possibly can. That's praying for yourself, but with a focus on God. But that's hard to remember. It's so easy to become inwardly focused, even in our prayers. How how do we avoid that? We recognize this is true. We we, we know that we don't want to be selfish in our prayers. We, We understand that. But it's so hard not to do that. How do we go about doing that? Well, Jesus gives us a very important tip in his example. When you pray... Understand the purpose. Understand the goal. Understand the reason why you are praying. What is it that you really want out of prayer? Are you trying to manipulate God into doing what you want Him to do? Well, obviously we don't want to do that. We recognize that's not only the wrong goal, that's not possible. We can't make God do anything. We can't talk Him into changing into whatever we want Him to become. We know we can't do that. So what is the purpose of prayer? Here's what we need to understand. Prayer does not align God with us. Prayer doesn't make God do what we want Him to do. Prayer doesn't align God with us. Prayer aligns us with God. There's a big difference. Jesus knew that on this journey as He was going to Jerusalem, He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that He would be arrested. He knew that He would be tried. He knew that He would be beaten. And He knew that He would be crucified on the cross. He knew all of that. And He could have prayed for God to change all of that, to to take it all away. And His prayer that we have recorded from the time that he was there in Gethsemane, it shows that that's what he desperately wanted the Father to do. He he prays to God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But that's not what Jesus prayed would happen. Instead, he recognizes the purpose. He recognizes the focus. He recognizes the goal. Here's what he says in verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you from before the world began. Jesus recognized 
that praying to deliver himself from the cross was short-sighted. It, it, it stopped short of the finish line. It, it wasn't why he left all the glories and wonders of heaven to come into our world. It wasn't why he came here in the first place. The glory of God was the purpose. He came into our world to return creation to what He had created it to be in the first place. And going to the cross was the only way to do that. And so His prayer for Himself, His prayer for His own needs was focused on on accomplishing the Father's will. That was the goal. While I was down in Mexico, they talked a lot about football. That's not American football like we think of. That's their word for soccer. The word football is, is what they use, and they are passionate about their soccer. They all have their teams, and, and they will, just like we do with American football, they'll get into fun little arguments with each other about which team is the best, and they're looking forward to when they're playing, all that good stuff. Well, the average game of soccer is about two hours long. That's two 45-minute halves, and, and then the rest is timeouts and halftime and Injuries and penalties and all that sort of stuff. Well, in that two hours, in most Major League Soccer games, an average of 2.78 goals are made. And that's why when those of us like me that don't really know a lot about soccer, when we see one of those games on TV, it just looks like everybody's running around for a long time. (laughs) They don't seem to be doing anything. They're just running back and forth. But all that running around is not the goal. That's not why they play soccer. Kicking the ball around with your feet and doing all the fancy juggling that they do and hitting the ball off their head. None of that's the goal. The point of soccer, the reason they're out there doing all that stuff is to make that announcer guy scream, The object is to get your ball into the opposing team's net, to score a point. That's the purpose. All of the the running around, the fancy kicks and the, the headers, they mean nothing if you don't do that. They mean nothing if you don't score a goal. It is vital for us as believers to remember the goal. It can mean the difference between winning and losing, but but it's way more important than that. Jesus realized that all of the things that he had been doing in his ministry, all the teaching and, and all of the miracles and all the traveling around, All of that was very significant. All of that was important. 
But it was all directed toward one goal. And that one goal was giving you everlasting life. And all of the other things that Jesus did, they were all important, they were all significant, but they were all directed to that one moment on Calvary when He would provide the sacrifice for you and me. The stakes could not have been higher. So Jesus focused His prayer for Himself on doing the Father's will. We need to remember that when we pray. Now again, God invites us to bring our hurts and our heartaches and and all of that to Him. He invites us to come to Him with our worries and our anxieties, our illnesses, our, our, our prayers for our friends and neighbors. He wants us to bring all of those things because, again, when we do that, we're recognizing that, that He and He alone is God. We're recognizing that He and He alone has the answer. And so when we come to Him with all of our burdens and all of our heartaches, we're recognizing that. That's, that's good. Uh, again, don't misunderstand uh, what I'm saying this morning. He invites us to come and pray for our daily bread, for those things that we need. He recognizes that, that all of us have needs in our life. And, and He wants us to come to Him with that. So, so don't misunderstand. It's not that God doesn't want us to be praying for the heartaches that we have, praying for the needs that we have. God wants us to do those things. We just need to remember the goal. The goal is to serve Christ. Our purpose is to live the life that God has created us to live. It's hard to remember sometimes, but it's absolutely vital. And one of the ways we can remember this is to learn to pray with purpose. Learn to pray that your life would glorify God. Now, one of the ways you can do that, we've been talking about different ways that that you can find a way, you can take a step forward in your walk with Christ. One of the ways you can do this is something that a lot of you are already doing. Create a prayer list. I I do this. I know a lot of you do as well. You'll write down or Type it into your phone or however way you keep your list of things. Names of people you're praying for, uh, things that you're praying for, praying for the church, praying for your Sunday school class, praying for a friend or neighbor that has a need, praying for some need you have. That's a great thing to do. Take one step beyond that, though. Let me invite you to do that. Look over your list and make that list with purpose. Purpose to glorify God. Now, for one thing, nothing glorifies God more than for a lost person to come to faith in Christ. And remember that. As you go through your prayer list, be praying for those friends and neighbors, those people that you know don't know Jesus. Praying that God will give you opportunity to share with them, that God will plant those seeds in their heart, and that eventually the Holy Spirit will bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And, and look through the other requests that you, you have on, on your list. As you're praying for someone who is ill, don't just pray for them to be well. Certainly do that. But pray that God would be glorified in that healing. 
if that person doesn't know the Lord, that, that their healing would, would point them toward Christ. If that person does know the Savior, that their healing would, would point other people around them to the Lord. As you look through your prayer list, think of how, okay, if this prayer was answered, how could that better glorify Jesus Christ? How could that lift up His name? How could more people hear about God's saving grace? Pray with purpose. I suspect that many of you are here this morning because somebody was praying with purpose for you. And that someone was who we're celebrating this morning, our moms. That daily they went before the Lord and they lifted up our name to God. They prayed for you to be blessed. They prayed for you to do well in school. They prayed for you to be healthy. But most importantly, they prayed that you would know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this morning... You have eternal life because God answered that prayer. You came to faith in Jesus Christ. You accepted the Lord. You trusted Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And your mom gave thanks to God that day. Because God answered her prayer with purpose. As we celebrate our moms today, let's follow the example of those Christian moms. Let's all seek to pray with purpose. A purpose to glorify Christ in everything we do. Heavenly Father, we do uh, pause this morning to give you thanks for our Christian moms. What a, what a blessing they are to us. The extraordinary example that they bring and, and we just thank you for them and, and lord we recognize this is a difficult day for some for for some who who perhaps it's been recently that uh, their mom's gone on to be with heaven that's a that's a difficult time lord and for others maybe there's been a strained relationship with their mom and, and so today can be a difficult time for them too and god just help them help them to to recognize your presence and your peace in, in a profound way But God, here in this prayer that Jesus prayed so eloquently here on this earth, we have a beautiful example of how we should pray. And so we want to pray with purpose. We want to bring to you our needs and our hurts and our heartaches, recognizing that you and you alone have the wisdom and the power and the authority to do what is best in each one of those situations. And God, we want to lift to you our friends and family that don't know Jesus God, we pray that, that our example would point them to You, that our words might inform them of Your glorious grace, and that Your Holy Spirit might be at work in their heart, even maybe today. Maybe there's someone here this morning, Heavenly Father, that, that there's been a Christian mom praying for them, maybe for years, that they would come to faith in Christ. And we pray that You would do that even this morning. Someone here would come to know your marvelous gift of grace. Lord, we seek to pray with your purpose in mind. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.